Hello and welcome into another episode of the Labumba Pastor's Blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is a rebroadcast from our series in the book of Proverbs. I first broadcast this in January of 2022. The title of the lesson is The Forbidden, and our text to begin is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 14, which says, The mouth of forbidden women is a deep pit. He with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. Today's proverb gives us insight into how God is the one who protects us from falling into sin. In our verse, it tells us that the one God is angry with is given over to lust for a forbidden woman. The implication from that is that God is the one who sustains us in righteous conduct. That makes sense then why Jesus told us that when we were praying, we were to ask God not to lead us into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. Our righteousness always depends on God's Spirit sustaining us in righteous conduct. We live obediently through God's grace. When we resist the Holy Spirit's convictions and correction, we set ourselves up for being allowed to go outside the boundaries God has set for us. In this case, this example, a person is warned they might even be given over to loving a forbidden woman. The Hebrew word is actually strange woman, and this helps us understand who God is describing. In the law, God forbid the Israelites from entering into union with foreign people groups. These people were referred to as strangers. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, from verse 3 to 4, it says, You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons, or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following you to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you quickly. Although the Israelites were given this instruction, if you're familiar with Israelite history in the Old Testament, you know that this was a sin they committed over and over again. Recently, I was reading through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah once again, and those books are the recording of the history of the rebuilding of the temple after the 70 years of captivity, and then the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem and the resettlement of Jerusalem by Jews that had come back from the dispersion, first in the Babylonian Empire and then the Persian Empire after that. And something that's so sad in both of those books is that First of all, they acknowledge the reason that everything bad had happened to them was because they had disobeyed God's law and all the curses that he promised had come upon them. And even though they recognized that all the bad things that happened to them had happened because of their sin, both what Ezra and Nehemiah found in their leadership was that Israelite, the Israelite men had gone right back into marrying foreign women. And uh, in the book of Ezra, it's quite interesting. You find Ezra so heartbroken and saddened when he finds that out. He, sit, he sits by himself a whole day after tearing his robe and pulling out hairs from his beard. He's, he's so frustrated with these people. Israel's idolatry was always linked to their failure to obey this instruction. They didn't drive the idolaters out of the land of Canaan. They kept some there to serve them. In time, they mixed with them through intermarriage and became accustomed to their ways. 
God always calls his children to be separate from what is unholy. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17 and 18, we read, Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. But the Israelites' failure to be separate caused continual rebuke and suffering for them. Many of the things God did with Israel are pictures that illustrate things for the church and Christians. Some time ago, my dad was, was teaching, and he gave an example of this being the manna God gave Israel each day in the wilderness. God calls his word the bread of life. This is a title Jesus applied to himself, and he applied the manna in John chapter 6 as being a picture of the bread God would send down from heaven, which was his beloved son, of course. There were some interesting parallels between commands God gave Israel to gather the manna and how Christians are supposed to treat God's word. First, it was a daily experience. They had to collect, the Israelites had to collect each day or they wouldn't have any food. They had to collect it first thing in the morning. If they waited for the sun to get hot, it would melt all the manna off the ground and they would have to wait until the next day before they could eat. Then there is also the point that God gave the Israelites nothing but the manna to eat. Now, what could the point of that picture be? God's creation shows he is full of variety. The world teems with variety. One of the most amazing things in, in God's description near the end of the book of Revelation about the, the new heaven and the new Jerusalem is that there's going to be types of trees that produce 12 different kinds of fruits each year. And that's an anomaly, obviously, that we don't have right now. But God says it's something that he's preparing for us in the future. So we see God has so much variety that he's given to us to enjoy. Why then do you think God only gave Israel this one thing to sustain life in the wilderness? I think it's because God's word is sufficient for the Christian life. That's all we need to live a successful godly life in our sojourning on earth. We are same way they sojourned in the wilderness, Christians are called sojourners in the New Testament. When the Israelites demanded something more to eat besides the manna, God gave them quail, but then he killed many of the Israelites with a plague for their dissatisfaction and ingratitude for what he had provided. What is the picture there for Christians? Do you think God is pleased when his word is not enough for us? Coming back to our problem from today, we see that our preservation from falling into sin by mingling ourselves with what is strange and forbidden is through obeying God's instructions. That's, that's how we are protected. That's how we're preserved. When we carefully take heed according to God's word. The Israelites show that none of us can remain pure when we connect ourselves with what is of the world and not of God. There have been many people who have fallen prey to love for what is forbidden and it's crippled their Christian life and caused great hardship for them with things like bad marriages, children that are not believers, and many other struggles. Don't incur God's anger by uniting yourself to what should be strange to you as a Christian. Don't love the things of this world, because all that is in the world is not of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 again, 
verses 14 and 15, believers are given this instruction. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? God's word preserves us from falling into the destruction of partaking what is forbidden. God bless you all.